go ahead and jump on into the message. We're in week two of our Get in the Current uh, series. Um, I kind of talked about this last week, but maybe for those that weren't there, when I was a, uh, a, a just got into the youth group, I had kind of an interesting situation. Uh, I, we went on kind of a youth event. It was my first one, and uh, one of the things that happened to me on that trip, we went down to southern Missouri where there was a lot of water and rivers and streams, and I kind of got caught in a current, had to be rescued, which was very embarrassing at the time. Uh, but I learned something about currents at that point uh, firsthand, and currents are powerful, they're strong, they can be scary, they can take you from one place to another. And I feel like God has called us as Christians, us as a family, to get into some of these currents that God has asked us to get into. And again, those can be scary things. They can be things that we, 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 we kind of look at with a little bit of trepidation and go, oh my goodness, can I really do this? Well, I believe that these are some important things that we can get into to help have God help us to get kind of where we are to where he wants us to be and kind of take us down those things. So we don't have to be afraid of these things, but I do believe there are things that if we can apply in our lives and use them in our lives, they can make a big impact in our lives, and not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. So before we jump into the current uh, this morning, uh, we're going to pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time, excuse me, this time, this opportunity to be together, be with you. Father, I pray that you would just speak in me and through me, Father, that you would just share the words that you desire to be shared this morning. Father, not, not my words. My words, they're just, they're, they're, they're quite honestly not enough. But God, your words change everything. And so, Father, I pray that I would cease and my words would cease. And, Father, that your words would begin and that your anointing would flow through me. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different this morning, but it is going to kind of be somewhat familiar in some ways. But uh, we'll get into that. But what we're going to be talking about this morning is getting in the current of honor. Getting in the current of honor. Of honor. Now, in just a minute, we'll talk about honor. I'll define it for you because honor has a lot of different meanings depending on where you're from or who you are or what you're used to. So we're going to define basically the New Testament Greek idea of honor, but we'll do that in just a minute. But before we do, we want to get into our text this morning, which is found in Romans 12. In Romans 12, verses 9 and 10, it says this. As Paul is writing to the church there in Rome, he says this. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And then he goes one step further. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another by showing honor. Honor. Now, I don't know about you. Now, now, people that have known me today versus when I was in high school or even before that, I've changed a lot, I think. I've grown up a lot, I think. Uh, but one of the things that I was really, really, and, and so if you think I'm this now, just imagine, you know, 20-some years ago. People will say, Aaron, you're, you're pretty competitive, okay? Now, if you knew me back then, you would literally walk up to me and say, wow, that, that, that Aaron is not a competitive person at all. But back then, I was extremely competitive. I was one of those people, I'm sorry to say, it was I didn't want to just beat you. I wanted to humiliate you as I beat you. And then at the end, I would try to act like I didn't do it on purpose when I totally did it on purpose. You know what I mean? I was a horrible, terrible person. I was very competitive. And what's interesting about this, and, and again, I, I think I've gotten a little bit better, depending on the, the game and depending on the situation, you know. 
But in this scripture, we kind of see Paul kind of wanting to kind of have that competitive spirit kind of come through in this. He basically says, outdo each other in this. He's like, it's like almost like a situation where if I'm going to honor somebody, that person is honored by me. And then that person is like, oh yeah, you think that's honor. You just wait till I honor you. I'm going to outdo you in that. And so it's just like this, almost this competition of honor. As we love each other, as we are genuine in our love, there also needs to be this aspect of honor. But let's, let's define it. Let's see what this, this word means. Because if, if, if you grew up in certain places, honor may mean something different. In this situation, the Greek word for honor is timai. Okay, it's in your notes. And this word is defined as something maybe slightly different than you understand or how you see the word honor. So we need to come from a biblical perspective when we define it. We need to look back at the original Greek and see when Paul was writing these things, as we see these words written in the original Greek, as obviously that's where the New Testament was written in, what is Paul or what is other people that we're going to see use that word later, what are they meaning? What, what are they really trying to get at? And this is what it is. It's defined as value, worth, or something that is basically weighty. Okay, weighty. If, if you think of it this way, a lot of times in scripture we see this idea of weights and scales and things of that nature, right? We've talked about that in, in previous series where God would, would not like you know, weights that were unequal or, 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 or cheating people or things like that. So weight had an important part of their understanding. Weight meant value. The more something weighed, the more it was worth. Does that make sense? If, if you had a pound of grain, it was worth a certain amount. If you had two pounds of grain, it was worth more. Okay? So the more you had, the weightier it was, the more valuable it was. So for us today to understand what we're really talking about is this. So to honor something or someone is to place great value and worth on them or to consider them weighty. Okay? Great value or great worth. Now you go, Aaron, why are we even talking about this? What, what does this have to do? Listen, if you, if you haven't noticed, if you look in our world today... We are seeing a lack of honor, a major lack of honor. And look, I'm not going to get into some political things or anything like that, but you just need, it, it doesn't take much to see there is a lack of honor in our world, in our society. And unfortunately, instead of the church being light and going out and affecting the darkness, infecting our world, unfortunately, at times, that is coming and seeping into the church. So we need to make some changes in that. We need to get in the current of honor because I believe it's a very important thing that we need to look at. Let's look at Philippians 2, 3. This is what it says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What is that speaking of? What is that saying? It's saying lots of things, but one thing it's communicating is this idea of honor. Because you go, well, Aaron, how do I honor somebody? It's kind of simple in a lot of ways, but one way that really is important is this idea that other people are more important than yourself. It's basically saying, you know what? I'm going to do what's best for them, even at times when it's in direct opposition to what's best for me. Why do we do that? 
because we love them, because we want to honor them, because we're saying to them through our actions, you are valuable to me, you are worth something to me, you are weighty to me. And as you look at our world, we don't see a lot of that. We see an absence of honor. We see people that are specifically doing things to dishonor people, to dishonor things, to dishonor places. And if God has called us to be different, if God has called us to be a people of honor, as Paul said, if we are to outdo each other, it's one way I believe that if we can get into this current, we can show the world that are sitting on the banks something different. Something that will hopefully help them to understand who we are and how we love each other. But before we get in there, I want to look at a couple things. Okay, Before we really get into some things later on, I want to look at some... So there's some important things to remember concerning honor. Okay, Some important things. These are, these are important that you catch these. Okay, There's only two, but there's, they're very important. Number one, God has chosen to bless and reward honor. God has chosen. This wasn't our choice. This isn't what we thought was best. God has said, I make a decision. I choose to bless and reward honor. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Okay? Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. This is always a, uh, uh, this is an important verse. Obviously, it's a verse a lot of us know. But it's important that we catch this. Okay? It says this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Okay, now we go into verse 2. This is what it says. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. I had one person once tell me a definite... Because a lot of times we can use the word blessing. And we look at it in... in basically how to get stuff, okay? Uh, I had one person once tell me, Aaron, the definition of blessing is things going well for you. Now, why is that important? Because here's the thing, things going well for you means that God is the one who's seeing and knows what's good for you, not us. So blessing in this is not, hey, if you honor your father and mother, you're going to get this, 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 and this. Although we do see a promise of long life. But also more than that, of a good life, of a blessed life, of a life where things go well. This is a promise. If you will honor, if you will value, if you will put worth and weightiness on your parents, then there's a blessing that's attached to it. And we're going to see in a minute that it's even more than that. But I wanted to use that scripture because it's one we all know. It's one we all pretty much have memorized. That idea of honoring. But there's even one other thing. Honor creates order. Honor creates order. I think this is a very important thing to understand. Let's look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6, Another verse we all know more than likely. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever made this statement or heard somebody say this statement? They'll basically say, you know what? I need to get blank in order. I need to get my life in order. I need to get my finances in order. I need to get my family or my marriage in order. You know really what they're saying? 
You know what they're really communicating? They're really communicating this idea that they are not honoring God or honoring others in that particular area. Let me give you an example. You have someone say, you know what, I need to get my finances in order. What they're saying is basically, I need to make sure I am honoring God with my finances. Okay? When you honor things, when you get them to the proper place, order is going to come. If your life is out of order, if your marriage is out of order, if your family is out of order, if your finances, whatever is out of order, when we begin to honor things, order comes. So it's very clear in this. Again, one of the easiest ways to describe this is what we see in Matthew 6. Where Jesus basically says, listen, listen, if you will get me first, if you will seek my kingdom first, if you will get that in order and honor me first, then everything else is going to fall into place. A lot of times what we do as people is we, we get an issue or a situation and we go, our, our eyes kind of go wham. And we go, oh my goodness, I need to fix this. This, 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 this. this area is disorderly and I need to bring order to it. And so we attack that place instead of maybe taking a step back and going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How am I first and foremost honoring God? And if I do that, if I'm obedient to what God's asked me to do, well then he in turn take care of the rest. A lot of times we're very good at dealing with the symptoms of our dishonor, but we don't go to the cure. And a lot of the cure that we find is this idea of honor. It's going to God and saying, God, I honor you. I value you. I value what you've said. I value what you've commanded. I value who you are. Why do we worship? Why do we, why do we spend that time? Why? Because we are spending time honoring God. We value Him. And that's important to understand. And when we do that, when we have that promise, that when we seek first that, then things will come into order. And so I want to challenge you as we go through this. If you say, you know what, Aaron, you know, my, there, there's an area of my life that seems out of order. Maybe you need to stop and realize there's some honor issues there and deal with that first. But, but before we really get into that, as we, and that'll come at the end, I want to look at a story of honor and dishonor. A story of honor and dishonor. Now, these are longer stories, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase them. And there's actually two, which is really interesting to me. Because in a lot of ways, when we see in Scripture where things are doubled up or even sometimes tripled up, it's like God's kind of going... Uh, I want you to pay attention here. I want you to get this. Because in 1 Samuel 24 and 1 Samuel 26, we see a, basically a story where there's certain aspects that are different, but the story is somewhat the same. And so I'm going to kind of give you a breakdown of the story. We're going to look in just a minute in 1 Samuel 24 and 26 and look at some scripture there. But I want to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. At this particular time in scripture, uh, David has already taken care of Goliath and, and he's gone to uh, work kind of basically with Saul. Saul has, and this is interesting of course, Saul has dishonored God by his obedience, or lack of obedience and dishonored God in many, many ways. And because Saul has dishonored God, God has told Saul, I'm going to take the kingdom from you. You will not be king for too much longer. 
That's when basically Samuel goes and he anoints David and, and all these sort of things. And so when those, all these things are beginning to happen, Saul is noticing that God has somewhat left him and basically gone to David. And he's enraged by that and angry. Scripture says that Saul, while David was playing a harp, throws a spear at his head, misses, thank goodness. And now David is on the run. Saul is pursuing him, trying to find him to kill him. And that's where we kind of pick up our story, is, is especially here in, in 1 Samuel 24. And, and basically, just to give you a timeline, Saul at this point has been chasing David for about 10 years. So this has been going on a long time. David has brought uh, some loyal guys to his side. And so as we pick up uh, 1 Samuel 24, Saul has brought an army and he's looking for David. And David is hiding with his men in a cave. And Saul goes into the cave to basically use the bathroom. So he is in there by himself. David is back in the cave hiding with all his men. His men's eyes light up and go, oh my goodness, David, look. There he is. He's vulnerable. He's very vulnerable right now. He's by himself. And he's taking care of other things. And they tell him, kill him. God, God has presented you. Basically, here's your enemy who's been chasing you. Who God has said, you're, he's not going to be king. You're going to be king. Here he is. Silver platter. Go take him out. David doesn't. He creeps up and he cuts a corner of his robe. Cuts a corner of his robe. In, in 1 Samuel 26, we see a very similar situation taking place. In that story, Saul's asleep. Totally asleep. Out cold, basically. Scripture even says that basically he has been almost, by God, put into a deep slumber, him and his entire army. David sneaks up again. Now, here's what's interesting. I think this is very almost poetic in so many ways. Guess what is by Saul's head? A jug of water and a spear. Now listen, I've never had a spear thrown at me, but I would have to imagine if I did, I would be very aware of spears from then on out. So David is here. He looks, and guess what? There he is. He's with one guy this time, and his friend says, listen, listen, I, <laughs> This is like really dramatic scene. He's like, he's like, listen, you just say the word he says to David. He says, I'll, it'll take one blow. You know, it's like the you know, real dramatic music. Bum, 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 David says, no. He says, I'm not going to do it. But he reaches down, he takes the water, and he takes the spear, and he leaves. In both situations, you have an interesting picture. In both situations, you see something very, very good in David and something very evil in Saul. You see David, even though he's been treated poorly, even though he's being hunted down, he shows Saul honor. When all Saul has shown him is dishonor. All he's shown him. Let's look now at 1 Samuel 24. Now, what we're going to look at is 1 Samuel 24, and then we're actually going to go to 26. Now, you can look at these stories um, each individually, and I encourage you to do that. There's a lot of good stuff here. But I want you to look with me at first um, that we see here in, in 1 Samuel 24. Now, this is the one in the cave, okay? This is the cave. This is what he says, starting with verse 6. He said to his men, this is David speaking to all the guys that are telling him, take him out. 
God has provided you in this moment. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to the Lord my king. Listen to the words he uses. He doesn't say that jerk who's trying to kill me. He didn't say that disobedient guy who God's going to get rid of. He calls him my Lord. He's already showing honor. Listen, let me help you without something. Listen, when you are brought to a place where you have a choice, where you're either going to be honorable or dishonorable, if you have not had a heart change, you're going to be more than likely dishonorable. This is showing who David is in his heart. We talk about all the time, oh, David was, the, even though David messed up at times, David was the apple of, of, of God's uh, eye. And, and, and we see when, when, when David is anointed, oh, God looks at the heart. This is David's heart, which is beautiful. My Lord, my King. And then he continues, I shouldn't attack. Can we go on there? There we go. The Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, Once again, my lord the king. So after this has all happened, remember he's cut off the little section of his robe. He says, my lord the king. And Saul looked around. David bowed low before him. David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have. In my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though, and this is important, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. Wow. Sometimes we, we love to talk about David. And we love to, oh, I want a heart like David. That's David's heart. He honored him so much. He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointing. I will not go above. Now listen, David knew what God had promised him. But you know what David's response was kind of? He's like, hey, listen, if God put him there, God will take him away. But as long as he's there... I will honor him. I will honor him. We'll see why this is important in just a minute. Now let's look at 1 Samuel 26. Again, basically the same story, but basically now we see Saul's response. And what's interesting about this is, is they're both very similar in 24 and 26 uh, chapters. But in 26, this is what he says. Then Saul confessed. Remember, in 26, he took the spear and the water jug that were near his noggin, Okay. Saul confessed, I have sinned. Come back home, my son, and I will no longer try to harm you, for you valued my life today. What is that word? Valued. Well, you know what he did? He honored his life today. I have been a fool. Very, very wrong. Here is your spear, O king, David replied. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and being 
loyal. Remember, we talked about this idea of God blessing and rewarding honor. And I refuse to kill you, even when my Lord, even when the Lord, now listen to what David says here, even when the Lord placed you in my power, for you are the Lord's anointed one. Now, may the Lord value, honor my life, even as he has valued, honored yours today. May he rescue me from all my troubles. Amazing stuff here, guys. Amazing understanding here. This man who is hunting him, who's after him, because David brings forth honor in a lot of ways, even though it's not a lasting thing. You see it in 24, and then he's still doing it in 26. We see a realization on the heart in the place of Saul. Listen, hear me on this. I want to I I I I put something out there for your, for your thinking. Uh, I mean, a lot of times when we look at the world and how Christians have handled people who don't believe the same things or don't do the same things or don't uh, whatever it is that, that are different from us, we have gone a route of almost shame and guilt and fear. We have the guy, and this is extreme, I understand that, we have the guy with the, with the placard on with, with screaming at people saying you're going to hell. You know what? Let's be honest. That has not worked real well. It hasn't. But in this situation, we see David getting honor. He doesn't excuse what Saul is doing. He doesn't say, hey, you're doing everything fine. Everything's great. But he brings forth honor. And what is Saul's response? In both cases, Saul repents. Saul looks at things and even for a time begins to change. I wonder if there's something here, folks. I wonder if we need to not always be the people that are looking at the world and screaming at the darkness, but instead we're honoring people, we're loving people, even those people who don't see the world like we do. It's interesting. But here's, what's, here's the thing we need to understand. This is in your notes. Saul was at the top. He was the king. He had been anointed by God. Go back and look at Saul's early life versus his, his later life. A lot of times we just focus on his later life. Saul was at the top, both spiritually, he was the king, he was doing really well. And because he practiced dishonor, he went to the bottom. He went to the bottom. Now, you got to remember something, okay? And this is important that we understand this. Saul's first step that led him to the place of dishonor and dishonoring David was first and foremost, Saul dishonored God. Saul dishonored God. Listen, I'll help you out with something. You're going to have a very hard time honoring your spouse, your kids, your boss, your whoever, if you don't first honor God. If you don't value him, if you don't value what his commands are, you're going to have a very hard time. But because he practiced dishonor, God brought him to the bottom. David was at the bottom. David was a shepherd. He was a nobody. He was even in his own family. They didn't even think to call him in when Samuel came up. They had to go get him. Samuel goes, do you have any more sons? He's like, yeah, we got the, you know, run of the litter back there, basically, that's the shepherd. He's at the bottom. He's at the bottom. But because he practiced honor, he went to the top. He went to the top. And you go, but Aaron, I, but, but, but they don't deserve my honor. They, they, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what happened to me. And listen, I'm, I understand that. I understand that there's some, some people in our lives that may be very, very hard to honor. You go, you know, Aaron, you talked about that scripture, honor my, my father and mother. My father and mother didn't deserve to be honored. 
You know what I understand sometimes, and I see this in David's life, bringing honor to someone isn't about them. It's about your heart. It's about your desire to say, even though you have done things to me, even though you are literally, as Saul and David, are going after to kill me, I still will bring honor to you. This is a real simple verse. 1 Peter 2, 17a. Aaron, who do I have to honor? Honor everyone. Honor everyone. God makes it simple here, doesn't he? Honor everyone. He doesn't say honor those that honor you. He doesn't say honor those that are worthy of honor. He just simply says honor everyone. And again, what does that mean? It means that we give that person value. We say they're worth something. They're weighty of someone, of something. Now, now let's think about our world today. Let's think about how our culture is today. And I'll give you an easy example. And I, I don't usually like to get into stuff like this, but I think this is so blatantly obvious and important that we need to catch this. We dishonor children in the womb. How, how can we as a culture honor people that are right here if we can't honor those that are completely helpless in a womb. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. It's important. The final thing, as I want to kind of close, I want to look at the importance of showing honor. The importance of showing honor. Let's look at Mark. In Mark 6, verses 1 through 6, we see a very interesting story. A story that um, I've read many, many times, but as I was putting these things together, I never really saw this before. But it was kind of one of those things where it was like the light bulb went on. And I want to share it with you because I think this shows the importance of honor. So look at Mark 6, 1 through 6. This is what it says. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth. Now remember, this is where Jesus is from. Okay, It's where he grew up. Okay, His hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. I'll stop there. Then they scoffed. What did they just do? They're showing Jesus dishonor. You don't matter. You're not valuable. You don't, we're, they're, they're poking holes. They're being critical of him. They're showing in a lot of ways, and we'll see this in a minute, their unbelief. They scoffed at him. And this is what they said. Listen how they, listen how they scoff him. He's just a carpenter. I want to stop there and, and, and go ahead and leave it there, Monica. You're perfect there. But I want, I want to look. He's just a carpenter. You know, he's just a nobody. You know, as, as human beings, we have not really gotten much more creative in our uh, criticisms of each other, have we? He's nothing. He's just a nobody. He came from the other side of the tracks. He doesn't, he's not all that. You get what I'm saying? He sits there and they say, he's just a nobody. He's just a carpenter. And then they go on, the son of Mary and the brothers of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended 
and refused to believe in him. Let's continue on. Then Jesus, oh, can we go on? There we go. Then Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. He's not without honor. He's not without worth, weightiness, value, except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. And then we get to something interesting. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Which is still pretty amazing, by the way. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now I want to leave that up there, Monica, for just a second. I want you to look at, with me on verse 5. Okay, He could not. Why could he not? And listen, you know what we typically look at is we go to verse 5, okay? We say, oh, look, it's their lack of faith. It's their, and you know what? There was lack of faith. There was lack of faith. But where did the lack of faith come from? It came from the lack of honor. It came from the idea, you're nobody. It came from the place that we know who you are. We know how you grew up. We know all the things you did wrong. Even Jesus, and he could not perform the miracles he wanted to perform because not just of their lack of faith, but their lack of honor of him. Let me, this is important, you need to catch this, look in your notes. An atmosphere of honor creates an environment for miracles. An atmosphere of honor creates an environment for miracles. Aaron, what do you mean? Let's look at this, okay? Here, here's the thing. I believe very strongly for people that are here, people online, there are people that need miracles in their life. They need miracles in their home. They need miracles in their job. They need miracles in their relationship with their spouse and their kids. There are miracles that need to take place. But you know what I found? as I've looked and studied and talked to people, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, there's a miracle that's desired, but there is no honor. There's, and, and you know what I hear? But Aaron, they did this. Aaron, they did that. Aaron, they don't deserve my honor. And yet, second, First Peter says, honor everyone. I truly believe this, and hear me, and hear my heart on this. I believe that there are places and situations that, that God desires to bring forth a miracle. Now, what's a miracle? Because we throw that word around a lot. I believe a miracle is something that only God can do. Okay? We, we, we get to, we get to we, you know, we, we don't, we, we live here in Denver, basically. We're, we're, there's no traffic when there should be traffic. And what do we say? Oh, it's a miracle. No, it's not. When I'm talking about a miracle, I'm talking about something that we cannot do on our own. Only God can do it with his supernatural power. And I believe that there are people and situations where God wants to bring forth a miracle, but he's waiting for honor to be shown. Why? Because God blesses and rewards honor. Some of us need to honor our spouse in a more effective way. 
And we go, I don't understand why my marriage is falling apart. I don't understand. Why? Because there's so much dishonor in your home and in your relationship that there is not going to become a miracle that you want because you've got to first show some honor to each other. Relationships with kids and parents. I, I can't tell you how many times as a youth pastor I would have a kid walk into my office. My parent this, my parent that. They won't do this, they won't do that. And you know what it was? It wasn't necessarily an issue with the parent. It was such a dishonoring attitude of the kid that there was no way there was going to be a reconciliation until there, were, there came to be some honor. Remember what Ephesians said. Honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say honor them when they're perfect because there's no such thing. Honor them when they do everything right. It doesn't happen. Let's go back and think of David. David is being hunted down like a deer or a fox. How easy would it have been for David to go, you know what? I'm tired of this. This man has been after me. I've done nothing wrong. I am sick and I'm tired. Give me the spear. And you know what I found in a lot of situations? That is the attitude that we have. Give me the spear. It will only take me one blow. But David doesn't. And because of that, we see David becoming one of the greatest kings that has ever been. And even better than that, God says, this is a man after my own You go, but Aaron, I, I, this, I don't know if this really applies to me. Let, let's have the worship team come up. Let me, let me break it down for you. Let me help you understand something that seems to be very, um, you may go, oh, well, that's, that's, that's pretty elementary, but, but let's, let's, let's understand something. You say they don't deserve it, they, don't, they haven't earned it, whatever. And I would respond to you very lovingly with saying you don't either but God chose to honor you by sending his son Jesus chose to honor you by laying down his life for you what do you mean Aaron? what do you mean God honored me what does honored me he valued you so much he loved you so much that he basically said, you know what? I'll do the hard thing, and I'll honor you. And I hope and I pray that every single one of us here has accepted the honor that God has bestowed on us. But if we're going to follow him, and let's, let's remember, let's all just be honest with just for a second, none of us deserve that honor. None of us deserve that honor. But Jesus gave it anyway. And if we're going to be like him, if we are going to be his disciples and follow in his teaching and his leading, God has called us to bring honor to. And we have some amazing promises when we do that. We have some amazing things that come and, and come forth. But I would dare say, in our world today, whether it be our homes or our workplace. I mean, some of you are like, man, are you telling me I got to honor my boss, the jerk? And I'm saying, yeah. But Aaron, you don't, I don't. But it says honor everyone. 
I want to finish with a story really quickly about honoring those that don't deserve it. When I was in high school, after I graduated, I went to work at the water department in the town I grew up in. My job was to paint fire hydrants all summer long. That was great fun, let me tell you. The Kansas City heat and humidity and I'm out painting fire hydrants yellow. Well, about halfway through, they brought on another kid to help with that. And so we kind of rotated in and out. And when we weren't painting fire hydrants, one of us would be with this guy. And I can't remember his name, I just can't. I remember exactly what he looked like. I remember he scared me half to death because he drove the truck with no hands. He would stop at Hardee's or Carl's Jr., depending on where you're from, and he'd get a burger. He'd go to the drive-thru, and then he'd eat his burger, and he was probably 6'4", so he, he was tall enough to do this. And he would sit there with the burger, and he would eat it, and he would steer with, I guess it would have been his left leg. He was steering with his left leg because he was pulling the, the pedals with his right. And he's doing this, and I'm freaking out. I'm going, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. And, and I'll be honest with you, I had never been around someone that was quite this gruff. And, and I'll be honest, he was just flat out mean to me. He was mean to everybody. But I just felt like he was really mean to me. I remember one time we were going out to clear some weeds and I made a big, big mistake. I told him one time, I don't like snakes. I don't like snakes. And so as we're getting ready to go out into this field, he says, oh, by the way, I'm sure there's a bunch of copperheads in this field. So if you see one, and we had weed whackers, that's how we we're going to clear this. We, he goes, if you see one, you just stick that weed whacker right in his head, and that'll take care of it. He said, if you miss, he'll bite you and you might die. And I'm, I'm, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, this is, uh, I got bad aim, I'm not good at this. And I'm, he was just mean. And I remember going home being frustrated. Like, why is this guy such a jerk to me? I didn't do anything to him. And I remember that scripture that says, you know, the people that are mean to you, you know, if you, can, if you can be kind to them, if you can almost show them honor, it's like putting coals on their head. I remember that scripture. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to be kind to him. When he's mean, I'm going to be kind back. I'm going to be so kind to him, it's going to make him sick. So I'm, I'm admitting my, my, my attitude may not have been the best going into this. But he would, he would say something to me, and I would just be kind back. He would get angry, and I would just say, well, I'm sorry, I'll do better next time. Thanks for helping. I mean, I, I, you could just see the, the, the rage almost building in this man. And so I was going to finish the summer, and then I was going to go off to Bible college. And about the last day I was there, I was so excited to be done. We were in the, this little break room, and he came in. He called me Nash, because that's pretty much what everybody called me growing up. He said, hey, Nash. I said, yeah. And he just stared at me, and he pointed. He said, I, I, I heard this was your last day. And I'm thinking, oh, great. He wants one last shot before I go. And he looked at me. And he said, you know what? He goes, you make me sick. And I'm like, here it goes. And I said, well, I'm sorry. He said, let me finish. He said, the reason why you make me sick is because as much as I tried to anger you, as much as I tried to get you to say something, you refused to do it. I want to know why. 
I just turned 18 a couple months, or, you know, first part of July. And with this gruff, angry man, I said, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about why I choose to handle things differently than you. You would have thought I'd walked up with a two-by-four and hit him right across the forehead. He just stared at me. And listen, I wish I could tell you, in that moment in the break room, he got down on his knees and he accepted Jesus. He didn't. The conversation, he said, well, much more softened. I just wanted to know why you were different. And he turned and he walked away. What made me different? I honored Jesus. And because I honored him, I honored him. And because I honored him, he realized there was something different. Honor can break the hardest of hearts. But a lot of times to bring that type of honor means that you're going to be a lot like David and you're going to be hunted. But if we'll honor, God will bless. And not just bless with stuff or not just bless with a good life, but bless in a way that others will see the difference. So no matter who they are, we honor it all. We honor everybody. Can we pray? Father, we come to you right now. And Father, you have called us to be a people of honor. Paul wrote that we are to outdo one another in the way that we honor people. And God, we're not just to honor those that honor us. We're not just to honor those that, that quite honestly, deserve it. We are to honor everyone. Father, we desire the miracles to take place in our heart and in our lives that you have for us. And we understand that one, play, one way that brings that about, that brings that, that environment for that to happen is to be a people and a family and a, and a, and a, and a, a co-worker of honor. We want you to do miracles in our family. But you know what, God? We need to start honoring each other again. We need to start saying what you want is more important than what I want. And Father, I believe with all my heart, if we can get in the current of honor, things are going to change in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our world. Why? Because there is such a culture of dishonor right now. There is such a culture of darkness when it comes to dishonor that if we can be a culture of honor and light, the darkness will always flee. So, Father, I pray for everyone here, for myself included, that, God, we would be a people that show honor to each other. Honor to those that deserve it and honor to those that don't. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. And listen, as John, he's going to lead us, and I, I, just in a real quick chorus, okay? I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm asking you not to sing. 
I'm going to ask that you would open your heart that God would literally place people, names, situations where God is calling you as an individual to show honor. Okay? That God would reveal that to you during that time and that you would be obedient to that call. All right? All right? So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would illuminate that person through your Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Show us, God. Show us that person, that, those situations, God. So my life Thank you, Jesus. And all my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will see the goodness of God. And all my life you have been All my life you have been so, so good Every breath that I am I will see the goodness of God Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, as we close this service, first and foremost, thank you for honoring us. Thank you for finding us valuable enough to rescue us. And Father, help us in turn to honor those around us so miracles can take place, so lives can be changed. Help us, God. Help us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. For those who are online, hey, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. And hey, we'll see you next week. Have a great week.